Hey, this is the one-man goldmine, the one-man enterprise of professional wrestling and all entertainment, Flynn Hendricks. And you better believe when I'm looking for a good podcast to listen to, I go to my own. I go to the I Know You Hear Me podcast hosted by me, Flynn Hendricks. That is such a fresh perspective for how you should look at life, too. Like, I just, I love that. And then when I'm feeling spooky, I go to my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, where myself, yeah. I want my head shoved inside a 15-pound silicone mask more. You know, <laughs> I want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night. And just Jeff. Dogs don't like eggs, <laughs> I hate you so much. Talk to other scare actors about what it takes to get into the world of scare acting. So if you're curious about how people became professional wrestlers, actors, prioritized their mental health, became entrepreneurs, avoided burnout, or got into scare acting, you need to go check out I Know You Hear Me and Tales from the Haunt, available on all podcasting platforms. And I know you hear me. Welcome, everybody, to the PWZ Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest returning, Vinny Berry, author of uh, Pro Wrestling Vault 1 and 2, and the Lance by Chance, Lance Von Eric biography, and of WrestleVille.com and WrestleVille Podcast. Vinny has been here before. We've talked about his many books, but uh, yeah, man, he's got a brand new book on the horizon, so let's, uh, let's talk. Vinny, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Busy. I've been busy. Yeah, I see that. You're you're pumping out the podcast. You are uh, working hard to promote not only the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 2, but you're really trying to push out those books, man. I'm telling you, and you've got some uh, great projects on the horizon. So, yeah, congratulations on your new book. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm, I'm really proud of it. And, you know, um, yeah, I... I, I I'm excited when I sell like any of my books, like, you know, when I sell Lance and stuff like that. But boy, when I, when I put these uh, pro wrestling volts in the envelope and send them off and take them down to the post office, I have to tell you, man, I'm pretty proud because, you know, it's like, they really are my babies. You know, it was, it was my idea. You know, I, I, uh, I interviewed all these wrestlers. I wrote all these individual short stories and put them all together. The covers, my design, the picture layouts I've done myself. So it's really, it really is a passion project and it's something I'm really, really proud of. Why don't we talk about how, uh, I know we talked about it when we did volume one. Uh, why don't we talk about how the project itself came up for the short story books uh, based on the wrestlers? Yeah, well, I, you know, I was ready to do another project. I kind of thought that I, I wanted to do something, um, based on the pandemic and what every everybody was going through in the wrestling world mm-hmm. i had reached out to about five or six uh promotions across the united states and um i was just kind of kind of hitting a roadblock with that like it really wasn't working out and um you know i was talking to kenny casanova mm-hmm. uh and he was he was like well dude how many stories do you have? You know, why don't you 
why don't you know before you ever lose those why don't you preserve those and put those in a book mm -hmm. and um so i did and uh i didn't want a book uh being over 400 pages so i decided i was going to break it up and um i guess for the second volume i only had maybe i don't know maybe 25 or 30. Mm -hmm. maybe 20, I, it was it wasn't very many it was about 20 25 26. and um so i i i had some interviews on the on my podcast you know like i was because that year too i just started my podcast this was uh uh, right after Lance von Eric, I started my podcast. So I took some, um, you know, I, I did the interviews for my podcast, but I interviewed them individually. Uh -huh. So the stories that are in the book, only for about 10 of them are different than, um, different than uh, what's on the podcast. They're, they're right. like made stories for the book themselves, all except one. And that's Soraya Knight. That is that is transcribed for what's on the podcast. It's put in the book, but I could not not put Soraya Knight in the book. I mean, she's a legend, right? Right. Um, but uh, one neat thing that did come out of this was somebody got me in touch. They knew I was looking for promotions. And by the time I abandoned that, abandoned that idea, um, somebody told me to reach out to the Northern Wrestling Federation and I did, and I started talking to Roger Ruffin, and I did a story on his promotion and his career and kind of how he got started in the wrestling business. And he had trained Monster Abyss and Jordan Clearwater and Jillian Hall and Chris Harris and Carl Anderson. So wow. you know, he had a really pretty interesting story, and I, and I wanted to, uh, you know, capture that and put that in the book. And 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 right. that was a really neat thing that came out of the idea that kind of fell apart, you know? Right. Uh, in the first volume, you had some really great stories, you Thank know? You. I'm going to run across a couple of them because some, sure. some of them are my favorites before we hit volume two, which is obviously yeah, we're here to, yeah, we're yeah, here to talk really about volume two. But that. yeah, because I mean, you had Damian Wayne who, to me, he's an independent legend. You know, he had some time in TNA. He had some time uh, working the, the independents all over, and he's a very well-known guy. I think that he's really awesome. There's Tim Storm, former NWA world champion. Uh, uh, Bobby Fulton is there, um, who, from the Fantastics. I mean, if you don't know who Bobby Fulton is, you know what I mean? What are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, there's just, uh, let's see, I'm going through the list here. Sorry. Uh, James Beard, legendary referee and promoter. Uh, Tracy Smothers, who we lost uh, not so long ago, probably, what, a couple years ago. Uh, another NWA world champion, Mike Rapata, Chase Owens, Chris Michaels. I mean, in you, oh, geez, how can I forget this? Harley Race is in this, in this book. You know what I mean? So this book is just, and that's not to mention all the other talents in here that, you know, you can buy this for the story of maybe Ricky Morton, Harley Race, Bobby Fulton, Tracy Smothers. There's a Bushwhacker, Luke, and C.W. Anderson. But you're going to be able to read about so many other wrestlers that you may not know about. You know what I mean? And it, so you, go ahead. Know, it's definitely going to be like a, uh, you know, like a education, educational experience, you know? And, yeah. And if you love wrestling as much as we do, you know, those guys have stories too. Some of those guys have been on the independent scene for, you know, 20 years and never made it to the big stage, you know? So 
Yeah. You know, it wasn't because, you know, it wasn't because they weren't good. You know, right. Alan Steele's in there, and I don't know if you've ever watched Alan Steele wrestle, but that guy is brilliant. <laughs> no, I'm not familiar, but I'm going to have to look him up. But, you know. Yeah, he is uh, fun to watch, man. He really knows what he's doing. And, you know, like you said, there's there's three former NWA champions in that book. There's five former NWA champions in that book, the junior champions. Five, right. So five junior NWA former champions and then three NWA champions and um the book is kind of a tribute to the NWA you know um there are several pictures of former NWA champions um got their title dates in there and stuff I had the pictures I wanted to use them um and then also too then in the middle there's there's like 400 uh pictures that cover the independent scene and some are from starcades uh starcade conventions uh a lot of them are from the gulf coast independent scene uh so you'll you'll really be surprised who you you see in there and 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 like i said in the book you know that book is a a celebration of pro wrestling you know right and i, I really think that um that that it captures that that statement really well i love reading the history of professional wrestling or just about professional wrestling in general and i love learning about stuff that i don't necessarily know about especially you're from texas i'm from connecticut i grew up watching wrestling from texas on espn every day with world class you know so it's kind of a i guess obsessed with it i guess you could say world class was my favorite promotion and i've seen obvious obviously other promotions from that area so it's just very awesome to be able to learn i mean your books don't necessarily just cover texas there's a lot of wrestling from all over the, the sure. united actually internationally really because your podcast you did uh didn't you just uh interview somebody from england was that i was? i yeah well i recently did somebody from um Scotland, Scotland. Uh, TJ Rage, right? I've, um, and uh, uh, Luke King Sharp also from Scotland. But okay. um, a, a lot of those wrestlers, uh, they wrestle in ICW and mm -hmm. in Insane Championship Wrestling, right? And uh, Molly Spartan, she's from Scotland. So a lot, of, a lot of people from Scotland. But yes, I, I, I had uh, Soraya Knight on there, and I had her husband on there. Also had. Uh, um, who else did I have on there? But yeah, I mean, yeah, they're from the United Kingdom, that area. You know, if you say, hey, uh, can I say you're from the United Kingdom? They say, don't you say I'm from United Kingdom. You better tell them I'm from Scotland. So I don't, you know, I don't know all the, the GR. You there's know, lingo. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess there's, uh, there might be some heat, heat, lingo. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. They're, you know what? The, the, they're, they're fun. Um, they're, man, when you watch them wrestle, the, the wrestling over there is alive and kicking, man. And I yep. thought, you know, um, you know, there's people over here that don't know wrestlers over there and vice versa. And, you know, mm -hmm. my thing is, 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 uh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not following or covering all the people who are on the, the big stage, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of turning over the rocks, so to speak, you know, and right. I mean, I'm finding some some people who 
are kind of like running under, you know, flying under the radar a little bit, but yep. they really should be. <laughs> You're giving them a platform that they could expose themselves uh, with either your book, the podcast, you're writing articles on a lot of these people on wrestleville.com. Um, so one of my favorite interviews that you've done recently was, uh, Jocelyn Navarro. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that that was a fantastic interview. Fantastic. Uh, I learned a lot about a wrestler that I really knew nothing about, you know what I mean? And I've become a fan since. Yeah. Oh, she's fun to watch, man. Yeah. She's definitely fun to watch. Very physical. Very yeah. physical wrestler, you know, uh, also too, um, Isaiah Broner. I don't know mm -hmm. if you listen to that, but boy, no. he's very physical. You should look him up. I've been watching, um, pretty boy, smooth Ninja Mac. Um, do you know anything about Ninja Mac? Oh yeah. I've seen him several times. I think he made some Prior to it closing down initially, wasn't he? Uh, didn't he make some Ring of Honor appearances here and there? I don't know if it was Ring of. Well, he's from Reality of Wrestling. He's done yeah. some local wrestling in Houston. He's in mm -hmm. nowhere right now. Man, the guy's yeah. turning it up and talk about fun to watch. I've definitely seen him in Noah. Now that you mentioned yeah. that, I forgot. I've watched uh, quite a bit in the last month. See, uh, seeing that, um, I, I guess it was last night. Now, uh, uh, Muda was preparing for his uh, retirement match. So, um, I've seen Ninja Mac quite a bit on there because I've been watching the shows that Muda's been a part of. Did have you been keeping up on Muda at all? Um, just a little bit about what just I read online. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the match. I haven't watched the match with him. And, uh, I guess it was, I don't know, because of the time difference. I guess it just happened. I'm going to have to go back and watch it at some point. But I did watch the match with uh, Muda and Shinsuke Nakamura, which I thought was a fantastic matchup. And I thought it was great. Oh, I bet. I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't see it, but yeah. both those guys are, are first class, you know? Yeah. So like you said, you're not necessarily uh, you're watching a lot of stuff under the radar, not necessarily necessarily into the mainstream. And I think that um, it's kind of where I'm going over the last like few months. You know what I mean? I'm just um, how do you feel about wrestling in the mainstream at this point? If you don't, you know, I well, I, I, I've been dipping my, my toe into NXT. I watch NXT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I watch uh, I've been watching the insane championship wrestling. So, I mean, I would I would imagine that's mainstream over there, right? Or maybe where they are, yeah, not over yeah, here for sure. Um, <laughs> but for us, it's still kind of under the radar. Yeah. Um, you know, I I like I like what I read. I you know what? It, there's so much content out there to, yes. to watch. I mean, yeah. I, I I wouldn't get any writing done if it if I was trying to to watch all the wrestling. Uh, so I do follow a lot of individual people. Like mm -hmm. like I said, I've been watching Isaiah Broner. I've been watching Jocelyn Navarro. A lot of the people that I've, I've interviewed of late are are the people that I've been watching a lot. I've been watching. Um, do you know who Kid Bandit is? I know the name. I probably okay. yes. I've yeah, seen. I, yeah, I've been I watching Kid Bandit. They've actually worked a show up here uh, last September that I went to. So, yeah, it was in a brewery. Uh, th there was like a random indie show. So, yeah, it was quite. A, it was the first time I've ever seen them. For 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 one year in the business, Kid yeah. Bandit's pretty good. I I like yeah. the look. I like I like the style. Yeah. 
it'll be fun to to see Kid Bandit grow as a, yeah. as, as a wrestler going down the road. Uh, let's see. You've interviewed now. You interviewed Jazz for your second book, but was that an interview that had been laying for a while, or was that? Yeah, one? I've had that story for for a little while. Right. It, okay. It, it did view on my my website, and then when I when I transfer uh, when I I guess I I got a new look or a new a new model or a, whatever you want to call it for my my website. Uh, there mm-hmm. are a lot of stories that came down, and that was one of them. One of the wrestlers that I'm uh, interested that you interviewed um, because he had passed away in the last year was uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton. So oh, tell me about uh, your experiences talking to him and whatnot, because literally this is a guy that I watched uh, growing up uh, in the various incarnations of the Midnight Express, whether it be world, world class or NWA and then later WCW. He was absolutely one of my favorite professional wrestlers of all time. Uh, definitely top five or, or top ten, whichever. Uh, he's had so many great matches. I mean, do you remember his feud with Ric Flair in probably 1991, maybe, was it? Uh, uh, this was just a guy that was probably one of the most underrated professional wrestlers of all time. What are your experiences talking to him and getting to know him a little bit for this book? Well, he, he's he's a genuine he was a genuine dude. I mean, yeah. seriously, he's he was super nice. Um, a friend of his, uh, I went through a friend of his to help me set up the interview. Um, his friend gave me the number and said, "Yeah, he's expecting your call." I called and he was like on a road trip one day. I guess they were maybe maybe they were going to a match. I, I it, it sounded like they were traveling together. He was real nice. He just said, "Hey, man." Um, I'm in a car with a couple guys right now. We're driving down the road. Um, how about you uh, call me on this day? And I said, mm-hmm. okay. So I had called him on that day, and we talked for about 15 minutes. And then he said, hey, man, um, I just remembered that I have to do something. I, I can't remember. Something came up, or he had to pick yep. up his wife, or he had to go something, I something like that. And I, I was like, okay. And I thought, you know what? I'm I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably not gonna hear from him again. And um, he called me up uh, a day or two later, a couple days, and said, hey, when can we schedule this? We made a time, and sure enough, he he called me when when whenever he said he was gonna call me. Yeah, and I I appreciate that because, dude, I've been covering combative sports for since 2011 really that long yeah it, boxing and mma and then uh, in 2017 i i switched fully to pro wrestling you so, don't mind me at, oh go ahead go ahead well, and then I'll, I'll just finish my thought and then sure but you know my experience has shown if if you don't if you don't get the interview then and there you're, you're probably not going to get it you know? Trust me, I, I know as a podcaster reaching out to a lot of interviews. <laughs> trust me, I know. Um, my thing is, I did. I think that you spoke previously about covering boxing and in the MMA, but you switched fully into wrestling in 2017. Um, 
tell me about your days in boxing and wrestling and, and then uh, what made you decide in 2017 to move towards professional wrestling i know you were a fan as a child or as a kid because we spoke of this right. uh in previous episodes but um you don't touch uh, boxing and wrestling or excuse me boxing and mma today at all and um is that 2017 the birth of wrestleville or did you uh yes. yeah all right go yeah. if you don't mind me uh starting there with the, the boxing and mma into the wrestleville yeah yeah not a problem um so when i moved down to south texas in 2010 um i met these guys um I don't know around that time mm -hmm. you know, these guys in my town you know that that covered boxing and mma and and uh they had websites and and they invited me you know they 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 were telling me what they're doing i said oh that that sounds really really good you know and i and i told them i said hey i have i have some you know amateur boxing experience and 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 i've done some writing so i mean i can help you guys cover the boxing but I was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do the MMA because I, I don't know much about MMA. Right. And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. So I started going with these guys and I think my very first story was an MMA <laughs> feature story. Like I did right. a feature story on an MMA fighter and, um, you know, they, they took me to the MMA matches too, because down here they had several promotions. And when I say down here in South Texas, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm in the Rio Grande Valley. So we're talking Brownsville, McAllen, you know, uh, Edinburgh, right. you know, so they had uh, a lot of, you know, events down here. Right. Uh, Was there like casino or like arenas or? Do you yeah, have they were like nothing? arenas or. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ballrooms and stuff like that. Gotcha. And yeah. so, um, I did that for a guy for about a year. The day he closed his, the, the day he said, "I'm shutting down my website," I was like, "Dude, why are you doing this?" And he was like, "I just can't deal with it anymore," you know. So he shut it down. About an hour later, I got a phone call, and someone said, "Hey." I heard uh, so-and-so shut down their website. I said, yeah. He goes, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I guess I'm not doing anything. He goes, dude, be my writer. And uh, they basically started a website up. We had a website running in three days, and I was cranking out material for them, and, and I did that. Um, and then you, me and him – we did a, a magazine that covered boxing and MMA was different stories of what we were doing on, mm -hmm. you know, and we're, it was like a newspaper magazine that we were selling yeah. ads for and stuff. We were basically breaking even, you know, we were, yeah. we were getting just enough money to print the magazine. <laughs> you know? Doing that as an independent is almost impossible, you know, to make money at because it's a, uh, you know, there's people writing. You may might have to pay them. You know, you might have uh, freelancers helping out and 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 such. So we got there's no a sleep, bro. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, and you're lucky if you make anything at all. Like, trust me, I know, man. It's really hard. Yeah. So to to just fast forward a little bit, uh, we had there was a 
me and the guy that were doing that, it was just kind of like, I don't know, for some reason, I just kind of saw the writing on the wall that me and him were just kind of have different ideas of doing things. And uh, I just said, hey, man, I'm I'm just kind of done, you know. And uh, about three weeks later, a promoter called me out of the blue and was like, hey, man, what is it going to take to get you on my payroll? You know, do my do my PR, you know, help. Well, help help my sister do the PR, but do all the stories for the website. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we we made out a deal or whatever. In about six months, I was that guy's matchmaker. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because what would happen was like my boss would call me and say, "Well, we just lost the the challenger for the, you know, and this would be like days before the title fight. We just lost the the challenger for the the one forty five title." And I was like, "Well, dude, why don't you call this guy?" And he goes, right. "Well, who's that guy?" I said, that guy's ranked number four in the state, man. He goes, well, how do you know this? And I said, because I cover MMA in the state of Texas. It's your job to know this stuff. <laughs> I so. said, dude. And before you knew it, I got replaced as the matchmaker. And I, I will tell you this. You talk about trial by fire, man. I really had to learn what a what a matchmaker does, how to set up the, the all that stuff and work with the um, – the commission and stuff like that. And yeah. it was the week of the fight was just really not fun because you're dealing with people can't get their weight right. And, you know, people are dropping out at the last minute and, you know, the fighter or the promoter doesn't want to drop the fight. So you're looking for a fight and it hits. It was, it was a headache. And so when he ended up, you know, then then the promotion started drying up, and then when he when he did that, I was just kind of idle for a while, and I just told my wife, I said, you know what? I said I really miss writing, you know. And she says, well, write write about whatever you want to, but you do it. You know, you be you be your own man. Don't don't be doing it for everybody else and helping these people and those you, you do your idea and you do it and that's how that's how wrestleville came about and that's 2017 you started it as a website i started as a website yes okay that's pretty amazing what was the first thing that you wrote about if uh if you could remember anything i mean this is kind of interesting how it came about to me Wardell walker okay Who's in the? Is it? It's in the first book. In the first book, yeah. It's one of the first things listed in the table of contents, right? I have it right, mm-hmm. right here. Uh, the second book, um, interviewing someone that just left the National Wrestling Alliance and is going to probably appear up in the NWA or excuse me NXT uh, sometime soon. Colby Carino. Oh yeah. How was that? Yeah, that was. That was a few years back. He was a nice guy, you know. He was, a, you know, when I talked to him, he was really at the turning point in his career, uh-huh. you know, that he had, you know, he kind of had some, you know, immature troubles and, you know. I got you, yeah. And he, uh, yeah, it was like the turning point of his career. And, you know, I, I just thought he was a, a really down-to-earth good guy and i saw a lot of promise in him 
Um, and obviously, look at him. You know, I think he's he's an amazing heel. I never knew much about him. I knew, you know, obviously I watched his father quite a bit over the years, uh, whether it be ECW, Ring of Honor, and some independents. But it was a bit of the, a, a short period where I, I didn't watch wrestling, I guess, when maybe Colby had joined the world of professional wrestling. So I never really uh, got into that, I guess, until um, he appeared in the NWA. Um when I got back into wrestling, I'd have to say about four years now. So we're in 2023, maybe five years. So um, I was out for about two to three years because after my divorce from my first wife, I never, I just kind of lost interest in a lot of things for a few years, you know, two to three years in life in general, really. But when I started watching, there's this whole new crop of wrestling. The indies were hot, if you don't, yeah. if you, and, um, there was a lot going on. I was like, who the hell is this? What's going on here? It was actually, <laughs> When I first started dating my second wife, and her son was really into WWE at the time. And I started watching WWE again at that time period, not so much now. But then I started taking him to some local independent shows. And I'm like, man, I just fully got back into the world of professional wrestling. And I absolutely loved it. I was like, man, I miss this so much. And probably within about two years' time, I started uh, I started up this podcast here, you know. But then I started, you know, I heard rumblings about Colby. I read, you know, I read about him, didn't see him until he actually popped up in the um, in the NWA. And I was like, damn, I've been missing out. This guy is good. Yeah. You know, he, I think I did actually, I think I saw him in one match prior to the NWA against Homicide and uh, maybe in Capital Wrestling or Catalyst Wrestling, one of those independents out of the, uh, out of the Northeast. But it was a very good match, and I think that he's like one of the, you know, I think that he can go really far in NXT and maybe WWE as a whole. Well, well you got to remember that kid, and and I think he talks about it in that article is that he's been wrestling since he was like five years old, ten years right. old, or whatever, you know, because he's he was with his dad, you know, and so you're talking about a young man who's been around it all his life, right. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I think the, the sky's the limit for him, you know, because he's just that that's what I would call a natural. Right. I mean, he's just been around yeah. it and, and yeah. good for him. I mean, he is, you know, wrestling definitely needs young men like him because he's going to be one of those guys. Uh, if he stays healthy and stays wrestling, he's going to be one of those guys like, hey, man. This is how it's done. This yeah. is why we do this. This is, you know, he's going to be one of those those pillars. That's what I see him as. He's going to be a good mentor to yes. a lot of people as he gets older. He's a good mentor now. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I'm most interested in, I read this in your book, and I was very excited because I'm a huge fan of this guy. Going back to my childhood all the way and still to this day, uh, I even bought the shirt, watch him um, appearing on the Savoldi's TV show, AWA TV show. Not so long ago, he appeared on uh, AEW, but the legendary Bill Apter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what was that like? You know what? He's he was, uh, he was a good guy. We, we You know, it was just uh, he was he was eager to do it. But, yeah, he was. It was one of those surreal moments, you know, when he had called me back, you know, it was like, I, I thought to myself, damn, 
I'm talking to Bill after, <laughs> you know, yep. it was a big deal for me, you know, cause I was reading his stories when I was a kid. I'm still going back. I have a boxes and boxes of old wrestling magazines that I, uh, just the other day I was in this office here, just going through those boxes and pulling them out and just every so often I'll just start going through them and reading random articles or, or reading old results from the 1980s into the 1990s. Um, the guy is a legend and he did so much for wrestling magazines. I've heard him on numerous podcasts, uh, uh, lately that um, his story is literally a fantastic story about how he got involved in professional wrestling. It's, it's, it's amazing. And his book's amazing too. Matter of I fact, have it. I, yeah. I read his book and when I read his book, um, that was what inspired me that the short stories, the short story ideas could work. Right. Know? His books, he says in the beginning of the book, it's not necessarily an autobiography or whatever. It's literally, he's going to tell random stories in the, each chapter, just, this is what I did here. Next chapter could be 40 years later. You yeah. know what I mean? It's. It's an incredible book. It's a lot of fun to read. It really it is, is because there's, there's, um, you know, you can read a story from what is it? I think he said he started in 1968 or something to that effect. Uh, he did a little radio show, then moved right. on to the magazines, and then you're taking pictures at MSG, and all of a sudden you can get a stories from that era, the 60s, late seven or into the 70s, and then you can get a, a random story from the 90s or the early 2000s and go bounce back to the 1980s you know it's uh right. it's just um it's really all over the place but it's such a fan it's not boring and it's a fantastic book that guy's career i, I listened to him on uh uh brian solomon's shut up and wrestle podcast recently and it's just the guy has such an incredible story in history in professional wrestling man and some of the decisions he made to move his career forward working in different organizations so it's like it's time to leave the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you know, family of magazines to move to WOW or to move to One Wrestling or what have you. So it's just an amazing story. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to point about about the Volume Two, the Pro Wrestling Vol Volume Two, that you know, it's it's just not wrestlers like you said. Bill Apter is <laughs> in it. I have Bryce Bordeaux, who is a wrestling announcer. I have. Um, John Paul LeBlanc, who is a uh, photographer. Uh, mm -hmm. I have Mark Lorenz, who was the announcer for uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. So there is a little variety. Chaz Moretti, who is an independent uh, wrestling manager, he's in this book. But you're going to find people in here. You know, Nikita Knight, I don't know if you recognize Nikita Knight, but she's Thea Hell in NXT. Okay. okay. And so. You know, she's got a very interesting story. She grew up uh, being a very competitive gymnast. She was a competitive cheerleader. And when those two things came to an end, she told her dad, like, hey, it's time to do pro wrestling. He was like, what? This is what we're, this is what we're doing now? But you know what? Look, she was wrestling like three months, if that, maybe six, and NXT picked her up. I mean, that's, to me, that's incredible. For somebody at that level, 
an independent level to be wrestling that long in something like NXT to pick you up, that's pretty, that you have to be a natural and you have to be actually been working very hard because you're being brought into the big league. You know, oh, that yeah, is absolutely. the WWE is is uh, the be all end all, I guess, if, if you, you know, for lack of a better term. And that's I don't care who you are. I'm not going to I'm just going to say it. That's every aspiring professional wrestler's dream is to go to WWE. You can lie and say it's not, <laughs> but I'd have to say a good 99% of the people out there trying to get into the wrestling business is your goal is WWE because that is the biggest game. The, it's the, the biggest show in town. You know what I mean? So to be picked up by WWE that early on, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. But you got to remember, too, for a long time, that was the only stage. You know, now it's not the only stage anymore, you know. Well, things have changed uh, yeah, in absolutely. professional wrestling since, I mean, you or I were watching as kids. You know, after, say, WCW closed, like you said, the only game in town was WWE. And there wasn't many other options. It was TNA, but how many times, if you're an independent wrestler, do you have a chance of making a career in TNA? Because they were pushing a lot of named guys, if you if you think about it. Right, right. Yeah. And I wanted to, uh, if I could, I wanted to name of off some of the the names or read off some of the names that are in this book. You know, and this is this isn't all of them, but these are some of the highlights. You know, we got a Congo Kong in here. We got Lilani Kai. We have Duke the Dumpster Drosy. He's in this book. Form, former uh, PWZ guest, uh, Duke the Dumpster. He was on yes, here yes. really for, early on. For, and for some of the the listeners up in your neck of the woods, uh, the name uh, Sheldon Goldberg might ring a bell. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. He's a he's a New England guy, a New England promoter. Uh, before he continued, uh, that uh, a legendary New England promoter. He was associated right. with the NWA for a while. Um, he promoted uh, New England Championship Wrestling, which uh, they promoted a bunch of bunch of shows in my uh, town that I live in. Uh, that I attended for quite some time. I got to see a lot of legends, uh, future legends, I guess you could say, uh, in his promotion. And Sheldon's a great guy. If Not only was he a promoter, but the guy is a historian uh, of professional wrestling. And he's been, if you ever watch those old 90s, like wrestling TV documentaries and stuff like that, there's uh, some that I, th I believe is an A&E or what, what have you. Like he had appeared in those. Wow. Yeah. So go ahead, Vinny. Blake Christian's in this book. Cody mm -hmm. Cody uh, Cody Deaner is in this book. Yep. Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Scott Casey. I got uh, let's see, the Maestro. Rob Kellum is in this book. Dante yep. Smiley. Mario Mancini. Jeremiah. Know that Trump, guy. Phil Collier. Kerry Morton. Thunder Rosa. Just incredible. Susan Tex Green. So, Matty Rinkowski, Soraya Knight, as we mentioned early, Andrew Anderson. So, I mean, there are some, there are some names in, in this book. And, and I think it, it is really something that every uh, wrestling uh, enthusiast is, is going to enjoy. And these are firsthand account stories. You know, I'm not yeah. – I'm not making this stuff up. I, I interviewed every single one of these people and wrote down what what they said, you know, wrote their story and put it in words. 
Like I said, you interviewed uh, somebody that I know very well, Mario Mancini. Uh, great guy, great professional wrestler. Uh, the guy was um, has some amazing, amazing stories. He really yeah. does have some great stories. I don't know how how long your actual interview with his him uh, was, or how long you actually talked to him, but. Anytime I see him, which is probably once a month, maybe twice a month, uh, I could see him. And, and if I have any questions for him, I got some great stories. Literally, I can get any great stories about any legend in the WWE uh, from that era. Yeah, I have I have an interview of him on my podcast, and I have the the story that I wrote about him in the book. And like I yep. said, they're 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 different. You know, the, yeah. the one on the. Uh, one on the podcast is, you know, it's it's more of a conversation, and he's telling me, uh, you know, he's telling me some stories of some, you know, people and things that happened and whatnot, and you know, like kind of like I guess like road stories or behind the right. scenes stories. But in the in the book, you know, he talks about um, just kind of like his journey through wrestling, and you know, I I I, I remember. Right after the book got printed, I was reading the book, and my wife saw me reading the book. She goes, "You're you're reading the book?" I said, "Well, I'm reading this story about Mario Mancini." She was like, "Again?" And you had to read all those stories probably thirty or forty times, you know, because that's the process. <laughs> Not for nothing, but you're you're a writer, which means you're an artist, so you always kind of probably have like an obsessive nature a little bit trying to make sure that your work after it's been distributed is proper right i yeah, assume right. yeah yeah and that's not always <laughs> i'm sure like happen. you like a lot of times i'll go back and do something and i'm listening to this like sometimes i'm just like i wonder if that came out right you, you yeah. know <laughs> so you know but I, told um, my wife, I said you know what that story about mario manzini that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got some great stories, man. He, yeah, uh, absolutely. you know, when it's talking about him and Tony Altamore or uh, what have you, there's always something interesting. You can ask him about, I still have to bring him back on for a second uh, appearance because I'm sitting here like, I didn't even get to all my questions the time that I interviewed him. Cause I'm like, I want to get through the asking about certain guys and whether he liked them or, Anything that, you know, certain stories. I just know that he had great stories with Greg Valentine, great stories with David Schultz. And if, uh, you know, there's some just awesome stories. He's um, he's a good storyteller on top of it. Oh, absolutely. And one thing I want to say about this book, what is a little different about the first Pro Wrestling Vault, that the picture gallery in this book really pertains to the people that are in this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the picture gallery in the other book is a collection of independent promotions. Um, again, like I said, mainly from the Gulf Coast region. Right. There's other places in there as well, uh, but but they're like a a collection of uh, the independent promotions. As again, where these pertain to uh, the people that are in this book. And there's a couple pictures in here, and and some of these wrestlers have a couple pages, you know, like uh, yeah. Mario Mancini has a couple pages of pictures in this book. Jazz does, I think Soraya Knight does, uh, PJ Black does. So you know, some of some of the wrestlers that have been around for a long, 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 long time have, you know, like 
extra extra photos in there. I just opened it up, and here I see a bloody picture of Jeremiah Plunkett, current NWA star. Yeah. Uh, tell me about working or uh, talking to him because I'm a huge fan of his. I think that he is a terribly underrated star. I know I use that word underrated for certain wrestlers, but this kid watching him, this guy, excuse me, watching him on NWA each week. I think that he's not nearly getting the push that the, he deserves. I think that he is very old school and just a great wrestler when he comes out there, man. I just think that this guy should be pushed way further. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know what? I don't know why that is that, you know, some people get the push and some, I, I can't tell you. I, I just There's don't. All, you know, me, you guys like you and I are very old school. I feel like we prefer a different style maybe. And so, Obviously, I mean, like Billy Corgan is, I think he's just going to push different people, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's good to see him on TV. It's good to yeah. see him where he is. I mean, he's he's been wrestling for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so for for him to be doing what he's doing now, and, and it's funny is because I believe in that story he talks about that he bought his last pair of boots. He bought his last, his his last you know he's done next <laughs> yeah and and uh or singlet or whatever you want to call it and you know he was he was he was about to hang it up and and things turned around for him so you know i was really glad for that because you never know what's waiting for you around the corner you know you just you really don't yeah uh, there's Jeremiah Plunkett. There's Kerry Morton, who's also currently on the NWA television. Uh, son of Ricky Morton. Yeah, uh, Sal Renaro. J uh, uh, at this time, you probably interviewed him before him, but Kerry is the current NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion. I've seen him quite a bit uh, going around defending the title on various uh, independents, which is great. Uh, the Rob, uh, excuse me, the Rob, the Maestro Rob Kellum. Uh, who's from WCW. He actually worked in uh, USWA and Smoky Mountain as well. Uh, I interviewed him probably three years ago by now. Uh, another great guy, man, and um, is very. he has a really great history when it comes to professional wrestling. Yeah, and you can say he's underrated as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, seriously. Yeah. And, you know, his... And, and in that story, it talks about him being related, that he's the nephew of Gorgeous, Gorgeous The George. original Gorgeous George. I, the first time I ever saw Rob Kellum was on a USWA show. He was uh, named Gorgeous George III. That's now, right. when I saw that, I kind of laughed. Mind you, I was probably 18 years old, maybe, at the time. So I didn't right. know him. And then I didn't see him again for maybe another few years on um WCW TV, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, shit, it's that guy, <laughs> Gorgeous George yeah. III. And then when I interviewed him and was doing research, he actually informed me that he was the nephew or was a nephew of uh, yeah, the original Gorgeous George. Yeah, I believe it's nephew. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, which I found amazing. You know, I, I just thought yeah. it was great. But he's another great guy. He has a very interesting story, a long career, and he's still going at it today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's another one I wanted to ask you about here. Where is it? Uh, Mark Lawrence. Tell me about work, talking to Mark Lawrence. Uh, legendary world-class announcer. After uh, world-class, he worked with USWA for a little bit when they were still based in Texas or working right. in Texas out of the Sportatorium. 
And then he just left when uh, USWA left Texas. Well, he's a minister. Did you yes, know that? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And so very interesting, very matter of fact. I mean, that guy is, a, you know, Yeah. Uh, I talked to him like 30 minutes and I, I reached out to him and uh wanted to ask him about some things in in world class uh wanted mm -hmm. to ask him this was why i was when i was working on the book mm -hmm. uh, the lance von eric book and i was talking to him and um i told him what i wanted to talk to him about and he called me up and i asked him some hard questions you know because i mean gino you know died of an overdose and you know that's yeah. what it came out and you know guys committed suicide over there and i mean so a lot of tragedy happened in there so right i talked to him about that and he talked to me uh and then i said hey i'd like to ask you a couple questions i wanted to do like a question and answer with you and i got down to the last question and he was like okay i have to go to another meeting i said can i ask you this and i asked him something else and he answered and goes Thank you very much. I, I do have to go. And that was it. You know, he was very uh, just he was very polite. He was very nice. Uh, but he was he seemed guarded in the fact that he kind of wanted to be careful in how he worded things, you know, um, that, that's, that was my impression. I could be wrong, but. Did you put that on your podcast at all, or was it just exclusive to the book? It was exclusive to the book. Okay. I've seen two other interviews or heard two other interviews with him outside of this. Uh, one was on the Steve Austin podcast, and one okay. was on uh, one was on the, the Hannibal podcast, which I think okay. the Hannibal one. And uh, to watch him on the Hannibal podcast, because that one was, you know, camera-based and uh, – uh, it was very interesting, and he was very, he was very open to answering a lot of questions on that. I thought, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, the, I mean, yours might have been before that. I don't know. Um, it's, I think it's funny because he was out of the business for like thirty years or something to that fact, and then well, all of a sudden, in the last like few years, I've come across three current interviews. I don't think that he was really interested in the world of professional wrestling after he left it. Right. No, at I, least and much. I, and I think yeah. that too. And I think actually when I talked to him, he was actually at his office, you know, I mean, he, okay. was, he called me from work. So, you know, maybe he was in a, in a situation where he really couldn't talk, but you know, right. the one thing I, I was interested when I asked him about Carrie Von Erica said, were you surprised that, because he was, this was the only one word answer. <laughs> I said, were you surprised that the NWA put the belt on Kerry for only three weeks? He was like, no. Yeah. Nothing. He had nothing else to say on everything else. He he just had these long Good. answers, you know. And yeah. that was just kind of. It kind of goes back to there was a reason why that he didn't have that title that long. Well, there's a lot of reasons why the NWA did that, if you think about it. Back then, uh, when somebody was taking off, when they want to promote somebody as the NWA world champion, they want to take it off him, they usually have somebody there. But a lot of times, if you look at it, or back then, excuse me, 
throwing it, take it off for a certain amount of time. You know, you know what I mean? It seemed like uh, Ron Garvin held it for so long or, or, or Dusty held it for so long and Carrie held it for so long. It's just, I think the, a lot of it, to me at least, from what I gather and from what I look at, is like trying to build flare up, it, it seems. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if you, if you read the book, David yeah. Von Eric or David Manning says why they took that belt off. Yeah. And the I've reason the why book. was that he had showed up on some of those title defenses in an unquestionable manner and and they just kind of saw the writing on the wall that he was unreliable. And Yeah, yeah. I think that's another reason why if you see that uh when he was a world class champion and uh they were doing the U uh Super Clash three. If you remember that uh, at all, yes. he was world class champion and Lawler, him versus Lawler to build the unified title. <laughs> they just stopped it because he had been inebriated basically and he had cut himself with a blade. So they just said, This dude's unreliable. You know what I mean? Right, right. So they right. just decided to do a, uh, oh, too much blood finish. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, you saw that, that match on the like WW network, it's in black and white. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. still go watch that every so often, every so, you know, it, it's fun to watch that, some of that uh, stuff there. Hey, so, so what, what are your thoughts on the Von Eric movie? That's what I was about to ask you. I'm looking forward to it personally. I, yeah, I you know, me growing up a world-class fan, a Von Eric's fan, excuse me. I watch world class every day. So I grew up, you know, I got the legends of world class championship wrestling on ESPN every day when I got home from school at 4 PM Eastern oh, wow. time. So I'd run home every day, throw my book bag to the side and be like, do my homework later and watch world class. wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this iron claw movie, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just very interesting that they're actually finally following through with this because I guess there's been, uh, what do I say here? There has been various attempts at making this movie. Right. Well, I know of one. And yeah. what I know about this was um, the uh, there was a gentleman who was on a podcast with me who mm -hmm. was the screenwriter for, mm -hmm. we'll call it the first version, all right? Right. And... Um, the the host you know was just like a show like this but he said hey we've we got the screen uh writer i want to say I, I i might get this guy's name wrong uh, i want to say it was uh his last name was goldstein i can't i yes. can't remember maybe steve steve goldstein or i, yeah, I, I believe it. yeah but he was he was the screenwriter and he and he wrote the he wrote it with kevin mm-hmm and I remember when I was interviewing guys for the book and I interviewed Johnny Mantell and Johnny Mantell was talking to me about the movie. And this was like in 20, 2019 or 2020, whenever it was, I can't remember. It was 2020. Right. And he goes, it's a shame that Kevin is working on the book with this guy. And I said, well, why do you say that? He goes, because Drew's ain't coming out. Yeah. And so... I don't know what happened between that time and now, right? But uh, the movie got picked up 
by uh, what Sean Durkin, right? From the he's a producer or director from uh, Canada. Yes. Yep. And so he picked up the movie, and so the movie company put the green light back on it, right? And when I started hearing that they're casting people for, you know, Michael Hayes and Juno Hernandez and Bruiser Brody and Lance Von Erich, and I thought, you know what? This is going to be interesting, Matt. This is really going to be interesting because the, this, the reason why I wanted to write the book, Lance by Chance Wrestling as a Von Erich, was because that period of world class, you could take any period, right? But that was the most, I think, the most pivotal. I mean, because that period, what happened? What happened after that? It was a slow decline for... Absolutely. I mean, God, many, what, uh, they closed in 1990, was it correct? So, or maybe it was yeah. 89? But so that they, thing, that thing yeah. disintegrated long before that, man. It's Internally. funny that you're you're mentioning. Uh, it's funny you're mentioning that era. I I've been watching uh, at least one episode a night of 1986, and Lance is in there at that time. I'm watching it, and you're watching the arena. Now, mind you, when I'm watching yes. World Class, I always look at the crowd in in, yes. uh, in the Sportatorium. There's a lot of empty seats right up front. Oh yeah, literally. There's oh, a yeah. lot of empty seats. So it was literally like what you're saying. It was declining. Yeah, it was going, and Lance. I think Lance and Kevin might have been the only Von Erichs that they're in there at that at that period. And at that one time in nineteen ninety, what was it, nineteen eighty six? Lance mm -hmm. was the only Von Erich. Yeah, there's definitely a period there where he's the only because Kevin was out. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, I'm. I mean, I've been watching a lot of it lately. Uh, going back, obviously, probably like the third or fourth time going back watching that. You know that period. I always go back and watch these uh, old episodes and. Yeah, man, it's just, it's a very strange, strange era. The people that are coming in and out of there, you know what I mean? There's lots of uh, guys that are just coming in and out. Gino Caruso, I mean, excuse me, Gino Hernandez, excuse me, uh, even though he's a heel, he is majorly over with the with the female fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fan, the, the females were going crazy over him. I forgot. He was wrestling um, was Johnny Montana, who was a Johnny man. Nope. Definitely not oh, Johnny Mantel. Johnny different Mantel? guy. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, I would know Johnny Mantel. Trust me. <laughs> so <laughs> I know who that is. Um, he was. He was basically a, an enhancement talent. So he uh, in the in the fans, the female fans are it's Jobber Mario yeah. Mancini said. All right, jobber. all right, all right. I always felt like I was insulting somebody using that term. So, but yeah, man, it's just uh, yeah. Mario is uh, very uh, keen on using that term, Jobber. But yeah, it's um the female fans are going crazy over Gino. Do you think that they could have made him a baby face at one point or another? Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? But golly, he played that heel role so well, right? He was fantastic. Yeah, and the thing was, I think it was after him and uh, Chris Adams might have broken up because Chris Adams attacked him at the end of the match, and yeah, yeah. but. But I think in that angle they were going to make Chris the baby face. I yeah. I think I who who knows. Yeah, we'll never I thought, know. Right? 
I thought they were great as a tag team. I thought they were phenomenal oh, yeah. as a tag team, dude. I mean, that era there where Chris turned heel and was teaming with him. Uh, and I loved when Gino was Texas champion. He would just yell out, I am your champion to the camera every time. It was it was just he was a phenomenal performer. Sad what happened to him. Yeah. Do you think that literally there's always been rumors and talk that he was going to be a horseman or he was going to come to the NWA or Crockett and he could have been a horseman? Do you think that he could have held his end up if he if he came in and was one of those guys? Well, he was tight with Telly Blanchard. Yeah. Well, of course he was. Yeah, they were tag team champs in he was Southwest. Tight with Telly uh, Blanchard. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he could have held his end up. Absolutely. I, I yeah. think he could have definitely been, uh, you know, up there anywhere, anywhere yeah. he, he went, he could be top, top tier. Yeah. Do you think that if he hadn't passed away, do you think he could have had a WWF run or oh, do you think? I, yeah. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it's very possible. I mean, Vince was bringing in all kinds of people, you know, it's. He's cherry picking the territories basically still. At that yeah, period. There, I mean, there's really no no telling what would have happened if his his career didn't end as as young as it did. And you know, I mean, he was he was a young guy. You know, it's a shame we lost him at such an early age because he was an incredible performer, Gino Hernandez. He, he he was the guy that you loved to hate. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You also um, are doing the wrestling or Wrestleville podcast. You guys, you've been killing it as of late, man. What's been going oh, on I, with you over there in that department? Man, <laughs> you've been pushing them out like crazy. You've been pushing them out literally. If you're not posting an article, you're posting a new podcast. Well, I I, I take a break from from posting articles because I I, I can't. I, I can't do articles and books and podcasts, you know? Yeah. It's like pick two, right? <laughs> you got to be so an adult at some point. What you know? I'm doing is for books right now. Yeah. Uh, I've got one I'm working that's kind of in the fire right now. Um, definitely, I would say I'm about in the middle of it. I don't know what the release date is on it, but mm -hmm. I'm excited to finish it because I was recently approached by somebody who who's interested in doing something, doing a project with me. So, you know, it's kind of motivating me to get this one done so I can, you know, take a take a look at that one. So I'm doing podcasts and I'm putting about two out a week. Um, mm -hmm. Got some really good ones coming up. Um, and I've 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 just put out um, Mark Youngblood. He talked about um, I have two on there. I have a part one, part two, part two is he's talking about the you know, what happened the day that Bruiser Brody lost his life in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. uh, I just put out uh, uh, TJ Rage and I put out uh, uh, Lord Crew. Lord Crew is from the Northern Wrestling Federation, which is in the second um, pro the second book. Show. Yep. So, and there's a picture of Lord Crew in there. I can't remember what page it's on, but, you know, it's, again, it's, yeah, the, the podcasts are, are good. They're conversational-based. Um, they're genuine conversations. Um, you know, you, you come on my podcast, you, I'm going to make you sound like a million bucks, you know, because I'm interested in, you know, what's going on in wrestling, what's going on with you. You know, I, I don't care about all the dirt because it's just not my bag, man. I've worked in news yeah. for 20 years, so it's like, <laughs> you know, these people have got some good stories 
inspire, you know, inspiring stories, heartwarming stories, and and I'm really having a good time talking to them and getting their story out, you know, and giving them a platform like you had said. The Mark Youngblood interview, parts one and part two, I listened to both parts and I find them so interesting. He just lost his brother, was it last year, the year before? Which... Yeah, yeah it, was, it was recent, but I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. COVID kind of messed me up on the time. I mean, you can't remember anything because of COVID because it's all blurs together. But yeah, it's uh, Chris Youngblood was, I mean, they. I remember them. They worked world class. They worked, uh, I believe they worked USWA. They worked um, WCW. They worked Puerto Rico as the uh, Renegade Warriors. You know what I mean? Back in the day, the two, Mark and Chris Youngblood, obviously brother of Jay Youngblood. And all really great performers, great wrestlers. Uh, So the Mark Youngblood interview is just, I recommend anybody that's listening, if you love old school wrestling, I highly recommend going to check it out. If you love old NWA, uh, any of that stuff that I mentioned, seriously, it's it's something that you should all go check out. Mark is is a, just an amazing guy. I, I started talking with him. I was introduced to him when I was working on the Lance Von Eric book. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and then we just started talking to each other after, after that project out. You know, I'd call him, talk to him, or he'd call me, and we we – talk just about hey what's what's going on and da 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 and you know um i've been telling him i said look man you know he is really when you you talk about someone that's far removed from wrestling mm-hmm. that yeah. guy is it man i mean he's he has, knows nothing about it anymore yeah he he you know, he he says that I'm really his only piece of video. You're my only connection to wrestling. I said, well, that's golly, dude. It's pretty weird. You know, it's funny because I reach out to guys sometimes, and people are like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm like, yeah. all right. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. But you know what? He he just he he said, yeah, I'll I'll do, I'll do an interview with you, and um, I didn't know what he was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I know the the Brody stuff was sensitive. You know, it was sensitive to everybody, right? And so yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't know what he was going to talk about. He called me that morning. We had we had set up a time like four o'clock in the afternoon, and um, he had called me that morning, and I said, "Hey, man, did we get did, did we get the times wrong?" He go, "Oh, no, no, no. I just got some time. I'm waiting for." You know, a delivery or something. I'm just waiting. I, I just thought maybe we'd talk about what we're going to talk about. Man, he, we talked for about 45 minutes. He's telling me all these amazing stories. I said, dude, we should be recording now. <laughs> because we can't, I guarantee you, we're not going to be able to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Right. Yeah. I've been in that situation where sometimes you go, you're trying to set up an interview. They, they say, hey, call me at this number. And then, you end up sitting there talking. I'm like, damn, these are some good stories. I should have freaking pressed record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? It, you know, we we talked later that afternoon, and yeah. man, I tell you, it was just. I I enjoyed I enjoyed the part one, you know, because he's he's talking about wrestling, you know, is like, you know, how his dad got into it and how he was around it, and you know, people would call up his house and. 
you know, he'd say, hey, dad, Ox Baker's on the phone, or hey, dad, it's Ivan Golov on the phone, and, you know, or hey, uh, sorry, my dad's not here, you know, it's like, whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, they kind of knew, you know, who who to give access to, you know, because his, right. his dad taught him, you know. Right, right. And the dad, of course, for anybody listening, was uh, Rocky Romero, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Legendary professional wrestler. So, uh, Vinny, what else do you have coming up as far as uh, podcasting goes? And like you said, I don't know if you want to talk about books that you're working on or any projects well, that you have working on, but what about the... Yeah, well, for for interviews, I have Jock Sampson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know Jock? Uh, that I'm not familiar with, no. Okay, he's from like uh, the, what do you call it, the Appalachian region, like West Virginia and Virginia. Okay. And he, uh, about a 20-year career, I believe. Uh, okay. I'll have to look him up. Coming up, I got the uh, Russell Twins. Their, uh, their mentor is Elijah Burke. And okay. I've got their interview coming up. I've got uh, Pretty Boy Smooth. I've got Ninja Mac. And I've got one more. Um, off the top of them. Oh, I, I got one with the grappler. And Linden. Uh, he's uh, telling like these old funny road stories. And it's, it's not really a back and forth. He's just kind of. He's sharing a few stories, and he does that. And then the book I'm working on right now is of Black Bart, and I'm hoping that'll be out in uh, the fall of this year. I'm glad you mentioned that Black Bart book because I know you told me about it God knows how long ago, so I haven't revealed it at all because, well, keeping kayfabe. And I, when you told me that, I literally basically flipped out because I'm like, this was going to be an awesome freaking book. The guy's career is amazing. I, I think it's going to be really good. I think there's going to be some uh, stories in there when, when, when they're told that people are, you know, whether they believe it or not, you know, um, you know, there's some stories in there that kind of things didn't work out quite the way that he'd wanted them to, mm-hmm. but he was really happy with the way that they did. And I, and you know, he talks about how he. He struggled as a as a jobber for years, like like seven years, man. And Dusty Rhodes, you know, like was like, "Look, we're gonna do this," and bam. And so Dusty could have told Black Bart, "Hey, man, I'm gonna turn you into a purple elephant," and this is gonna be. And he would have said, "Do it," you know. The other thing about that is Black Bart was a former world-class world heavyweight champion as well, or pretty yes. early on. So that's a big step right there. Yeah, and there's a lot of really people won't remember that. Von Eric's in the book, too. Yeah. That's great there. Uh, one of the questions is you mentioned the grappler. You're interviewing him. Are you speaking Len Denton? Yes. Oh, my God. I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. You got to put that out. So yeah, I have his autobiography, actually. I don't know if you've read that at all. I, I have not read it. Me and him have been talking. He's another guy that I talk to from time to time. Yeah. Uh, Lynn is a, a genuine dude. He's a great guy. Um, but I have not I have not uh, read that book. Um, what, what, what was it that you liked about it? 
I'm it's just a great it's great learning see i'm i love to learn the history of the business and literally i just saw it online i was watching a uh i was watching a virtual signing and i said and there was one of him and i was like oh damn and i just bought a signed copy of his book right then and there because so i was like i used to watch him growing up man he's probably got some great stories and his whole career is just amazing man it's just i love learning the history especially watching guys and shows i used to watch as a kid like world class and stuff you know i love learning in in uh because if you remember growing up wrestling was not necessarily exposed we couldn't hear these stories we couldn't find these stories right, right. Uh, we just read what we read in the magazines and that was the information we got unless we were subscribed to things like this observer or the torch you know what i mean which right. was not a lot of people at that time period knew about that stuff so growing up and when i saw the book you know anytime i get a really interesting book or i'm able to get a really interesting book it's just i take it i take a chance and i I just go for it. And there's always interesting stories about what listening, you know, or, or reading about stories and learning about guys that you uh, watched, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. It's called, uh, uh, the man behind the makeup. It's a book about Jeff Bearden, the, uh, the, uh, giant warrior who was trained by the funks, but he okay. wrestled in South Africa with Lance and dusty, dusty wolf. Dusty and wolf. Okay. They, a major heel over there and he is you know he's wrestled in mexico he's wrestled in india he wrestled in south africa and he was a big star over there did some work here in the the united states but very little and uh had a great international guys like six seven or whatever he is he's he's tall dude man uh maybe taller than that but um i'm reading his book very interesting and so yeah, when you talk about like learning the history and look, I'm I'm a sucker for off the beaten path, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, did you see uh Roman Reigns last night? I said, No, but I watched Pretty Boy Smooth, man, and he is awesome. You know, like that's me. It was yeah. that. Yeah. No, that's definitely me. Cause it's like I'll go to work and people are like, hey. Did you see this on SmackDown? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, they all everybody at work knows I'm like this huge wrestling fan, but I'm like, I'm sitting here on the internet reading, say for one, not to sound like a jackass here, but or an ass kisser, but wrestleville.com. You know what I mean? Or oddball interviews that I'm not gonna find on mainstream TV. You know what yeah. I mean? Or reading books that all right, I get it. Hogan put out a book, Jericho put out a book, but guess what? I'm reading a book on the Von Erichs. I'm reading something like this. I'm reading, you know what I mean? Because I want to yeah. learn the history of the business stuff that I'm not, I can't just pick up anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? I right. love that, you know, and I love obviously growing up as a kid, I love the territory days. So one of the things about that is, it's just when I see books about certain territories, uh, uh, I'm just, kind of get excited or based on a wrestler from a certain territory that I didn't know had a book. I'm like, this has got to be interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just go for it. And one thing I wanted to mention before we, you know, before we head out of here on these, yeah. on these uh, pro wrestling vault books, you know, you're talking about in this book, there's like 40, 45, 45 short stories in this book, mm -hmm. 45, yeah. maybe 46, but you're talking short stories and these are, first-hand accounts 
and they're they're little stories of all these people you know so you don't have to commit to a to a big book you know it's like because dude i i get a little daunting when it's like oh man a book i was like oh you know <laughs> this is refreshing it's... in the fact that you know you could read two or three stories before you go to bed you can yes. you know hey you're on your lunch break you can read a story or two yep. Yep. You know, I think the longest story in this book is is the one on the Northern Wrestling Federation with Roger Ruffin, and it's probably about ten pages. All the other ones are, you know, three to three to five pages, maybe. You know, and so that that's the the you know the beauty of this is is that it's yep. it's easy to read. You know. One of the things that I really liked is that you featured Cowboy Scott Casey. Speaking of, we talk a lot of world class. I know the world class name has come up quite a bit, but uh, you know, you featured a lot of guys from Texas in here that had work there. And obviously, the Von Erich movie is coming out. But Scott Casey, absolute legend in the uh, in the business, worked world class, worked uh, WWE or yeah. WWF, excuse me, and. Yeah, man, I was excited to see that story in here. I've went through, and like you said, you could sit there, you could, if you're not, you know, you could pick a story to read. You can go bounce back and forth and just read a story. You can read a story about somebody you know that you want to learn about, or you can just learn something about a guy you never knew about at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can do that in this one. In the in the, the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 1, though, what I like about that, I don't know if you noticed this when you read it, but. If you read that thing from beginning to end, you'll see how those stories interweave and connect. Mm -hmm. that, that was really magical of how that happened. You know, all yeah. the all the guys with the NWA Junior. You know, you're talking about Barrett Brown. Here he is. He's talking about uh, wrestling for uh, the NWA Junior Heavyweight Title, and then later in the book, he won it. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. you you know, also in that book, you know, Eric Andrews talks about, um, you know, hey, I'm not going to give another title defense to Mr. USA because he already lost and he didn't win. And then he ended up defending his title to Mr. USA and Mr. USA won it. And then Barrett Brown came and defeated Mr. USA. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. funny how the, the book also, too, and then Tracy Smothers, you know. Um, in that in that book, um, who's the who's the gentleman that talks about? Well, Tracy Smothers is talking about how he's helping people, yeah. right? And then there's a gentleman in the book that says, "Yeah, Tracy Smothers helped me." Chris Michaels. Yeah, you know, and so very... it's it's funny how that that thing just kind of plays off each other. It, I it almost reads like a like a novel. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, I suggest anybody that's a fan of professional wrestling, the history of professional wrestling, or learning uh, about a lot of independent guys in the current state, just go and check it out, please. Uh, Vinny, let's wrap it up. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Why don't you give out your information as how to get uh, uh, in touch with you or in your social media presence? Yeah, you can go to uh, Russellville.com. That is my website, russellville.com. You can get all the podcasts. You can get uh, the books. I got some t-shirts on there as well. And I am on Instagram and Twitter. 
um, Russell underscore uh, Russellville underscore podcast on uh, Twitter and then Russellville podcasts on Instagram and then Vincent Berry on Facebook and also too there is a Russellville group page and a Russellville uh, homepage so there's there's many ways uh, to get in touch with me out there please shoot me a message my uh, contact information also too is on the uh, is on the website you can email me and uh, that's at russellvilleusa at gmail.com let's not forget it's wrestleville it's where wrestling lives <laughs>